Okay. Okay. You ready? Yes. Wait. How's my hair? Um... I'm Bryce. And I'm Bruce. And together we are the Bryce Property and Brothers. Bruce and Co. Bryce and Bruce. That's Bryce, Bryce and Bruce and Co. A few years ago, I designed my first home and started posting the photos to Instagram. It wasn't even his home. I mean, yeah, that's usually how it works. You broke so. several laws. Literally trespassed. People started asking me to do their redesigns after they saw the photos. Legally. So I run the business, I handle the finances and manage the clients and run the redesigns and just generally run the whole, the whole operation. And I have this watch. It's nice, I picked it up from Kohl's actually. Do you even like watches? Time will tell. So basically I design everything based on feel and I try to get an idea of what the clients really like and just try to shape it all around that, whether they have $2 million or 200 That's true. We literally bought someone one chair once. And generally, I just want people to feel at peace in their home and like they're the kings and queens of their own castle. Yes, I uh, want what you said for them too. Well, it's good to be back with you this week. Didn't Toby do a great job last weekend? We love having him, of course. It's almost like he has preached before and it wasn't his first time. He did such a great job, loved having him. We're in a series right now called Watch List, Watch List. And uh, today's theme is uh, Extreme Home Makeover or Fixer Upper or Property Brothers. You pick one because they're all the same. They're all the same, all of them. They, it's the same show. And uh, I chose this for a couple of reasons. One, makes Alex happy that I chose a home renovation show to talk about. And two, I wanna talk about how important the foundation of your house is. And uh, more specifically, I wanna take some time to break down what Jesus said is the one thing that's gonna keep your house from just crashing. And of course, in Matthew 7, when he was talking about this, he wasn't talking about our literal house, but rather he was using a metaphor for our life and the one thing that keeps our life from just falling apart, which I find incredibly relatable and comforting and helpful because I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times in my life, plenty of days where I felt like I was just hanging on by a thread, where I was tired, not sleepy tired, just tired from life, where I felt like if, if one more thing went wrong, then I just wasn't gonna make it. And maybe you've been there before too, or maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel that way today. You're just tired. And I wanna encourage you, because me and the Holy Spirit really want to help you in that. My prayer, my prayer today is that you leave here with a restored strength and a renewed confidence to face tomorrow. That's my prayer for you today. And so uh, we're gonna get into it. I wanna talk about two things. One, what does it mean that Jesus is our foundation? What does that even mean? That's a very churchy, religious phrase in my opinion. What does that mean that Jesus is our foundation? And how do we build our life 
on that foundation. How do we build our life on that foundation? So that's the two things I'm gonna hit. Let's read Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. My voice is barely making it today, so bear with me. Matthew 7, it says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So let me give you a little context. Jesus, a couple chapters leading up to this, is teaching and preaching on a hillside, and it's a sermon that's famously titled The Sermon on the Mount. And it's basically a compilation of these five-minute devotionals. And the theme through the whole sermon is, is you've heard it said, but I say unto you. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. In other words, Jesus is saying that you've been taught this way, but I'm gonna teach you a better way. This is what you've heard growing up in church, but I'm gonna teach you a better way. And what he's doing through these two or three chapters is he's drawing a hard line and he's saying, this is the difference between Jesus followers and everybody else. There has to be a difference. If there's not a clear difference between those who call me their, their disciples and the rest of the world, then, then what's the point? And so he says things like, you should, uh, uh, that everybody loves their neighbors. You've heard it said, love your neighbor. That's easy. Everybody loves their neighbor. Everybody loves those who are easy to love and easy to like. But I say unto you, love everybody with no exceptions. There's a clear difference for those who follow me. And at the end of his message, he actually says this. He says, you know, on judgment day, there's gonna be a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, Father, Father, Look how spiritual I've been. I, I went to church, I preached. I, I, look, I own the hardback cover of Jesus Calling. How about that? The hardback edition, it's amazing. And Jesus is gonna say to them in that day, I didn't, I didn't even know who you were. You were not one of my, now that, that shouldn't scare us, right? Jesus isn't trying to confuse us throw us for a loop. He's not trying to get us to question whether we're gonna go to heaven or not, but rather he's saying there is a clear difference between those who follow me and everybody else, and I'm about to show you what it is. And so then he gets into the story of the wise man and the foolish man. And so let me read it for you again. I know we already read it, but we're in church. We can read it again. You're trapped. You can't go anywhere. We're gonna read it again. Matthew 7, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, everybody say practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everybody say rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. 
And so whenever I'm studying scripture, there's a couple things that I always look for. One of them is I always look for the promises that are being made in the verse. And so there's a couple promises that Jesus makes here. Number one, he makes the promise that you're gonna experience a storm. Build on a rock or build on the sand, you're gonna get a hurricane. Jesus is like Oprah Winfrey. You get a storm, you get a storm, you get a storm, because that's life. That's just life. We go through difficult seasons. So that's the first promise he makes. The second promise he makes is that if you build your life on the foundation of Jesus, then you might be hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not despaired, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. If you build your life on the foundation of Jesus, then you will not be hopeless, you will not be alone, you will not be discouraged. You'll be standing strong at the end of that season. And if you let the storm, it might actually sanctify you. It might make you a better person. It might make you more like Jesus. And so you can imagine Jesus is talking to this crowd of people, the poor, the outcast, the marginalized, who have been through hell and back, and he's telling them, hey, if you follow me and actually put my words into practice, your life is going to be better for it. There's an incentive there for us to want to know more, right? There's everything, not everything Jesus teaches comes with an incentive, some of it is just sacrifices that we make because we love him and he loves us. But this does, this comes with an incentive. You're gonna be a better person if you build your life on the foundation of Christ. And so what, what does that mean? And how do we do it? Well, the foundation of your home is the basis for how your home is built. True? The foundation of your life is the basis for how you live your life. Okay, so everybody has a foundation. Everybody has a foundation. And the foundation that we live by is made up of core principles that you believe. So words, relationships, events of your life, you have built your life on the beliefs that were shaped by those experiences. That's true whether you believe in Jesus or not. So for instance, if you, um, if you, have, if you were cheated on by a spouse, you might have a core belief that nobody can be trusted. And then you build your life on this idea that nobody can be trusted and your life is full of anxiety and loneliness, isolation. Maybe you grew up uh, who ha and you had a parent who abandoned you, emotionally or physically, they abandoned you. And so you grew up and started believing the core principle that you were hard to love. You're a hard person to love. And so you build your life on this foundation that you're a hard person to love and your life is full of insecurity and shame. Or maybe, maybe you do build on the rock and you've experienced God's faithfulness and love and you choose to believe in the core principle that there is a God who cares for you, who is with you, a God that believes you are worthy, that you are enough, that you are significant, a core principle that you believe that God is who he says he is and you are who he says you are. 
and you build on that foundation and your life is full of freedom and peace and hope. This is the point that Jesus is trying to make and he's saying anything other than that, anything other than the foundation and the belief that God is who he says he is, it's sinking sand. It's decaying soil. It will not stand the test of time. You might, you might be able to get through one storm or two storms or three storms, but ultimately, those stories you tell yourself, those beliefs you've made up, they will fail you. But the good news of the gospel is that this strong foundation that Jesus is talking about is for the taking. Anybody can build their house on this foundation. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to create it. There's nothing you can do to make it stronger. It's just there. And you can build your life on those foundational truths. You see, when they built homes 2,000 years ago, they didn't make a foundation, lay a foundation like we do today. They would just dig in the sand until they hit bedrock, and then they would build on the rock that was already there. The foundation of Christ is already there. It's true. It's alive. It's been there since the beginning of time. You might have to do a little digging. You might have to get the sand out of your life, but the foundation is there for you to build on. And so the question that we wrestle with and takes effort, the digging, if you will, to get to that foundation is how do we make sure our life and everything that's a part of our life and our faith, how do we make sure that's firmly attached to the foundation of Christ? That's the question. And it's really simple, it's not easy, but it's simple. All you need is a seven inch wedge anchor. Anybody know what this is? Got some home builders in here. So a seven inch wedge anchor, when you're building a house, is specifically engineered to be bolted into concrete so that the large uh, construction material could be secured to a foundation. I had to research all of this. I did not know this. So, so when you're building a house in the foundation, if you were to strip it all the way back to the framing, you would see a bunch of these all around your house and it's where the, it's where the framework attaches to the foundation. Let me ask you a question. How many of you went to bed thinking about your wedge anchors? Probably not very many of you. They're not very fun to think about. We like to think about our furniture and our yard. This time of year I'm seeing people always, you know, post about watching college game day on their back porch and the fire and the TV. But what's interesting is that this is probably the most important piece of construction material in your entire house. It's the only thing that's keeping your house from being blown over. We got some good storms this week, and the only reason you still have a house is because of this baby. It's the only reason, because of the wedge anchor. If you don't have a wedge anchor, your brick ain't gonna do it, your framework ain't gonna do it, your roof ain't gonna do it, your house is gonna be about as weak as a pillow fort. Not the pillow forts I build, because those are bomb. The, the pillow forts that my kids build, those are weak. I tell them too, I'd say, that's a weak pillow fort. And I make them redo it. <laughs> I 
And so the question is, what is the wedge anchor to our faith? What is the wedge anchor to our faith? What keeps us firmly attached to the foundation of Christ, those truths, those core beliefs, those core principles in which God says in his word, what keeps us firmly attached to that? Well, it says it in the story that we're reading. I'll read two verses again. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. What's the difference? Say it again. Practice. Practice. See, both men were hearing the word of God. Both men had faith. Both men knew the word of God. They sat in church. They probably read their Torahs. They talked the talk, but only the wise man who puts the words of Jesus into practice is like the man that built a house on a rock on the truth of God's word. See, it's the doing of God's word that is the wedge anchor to our faith. It's the practice, it's the action. If you wanna know uh, that your life is not weak, if you wanna know that you know that you're gonna withstand the storms of life, the hard times of life, then you have to actually put Jesus' words into practice. You gotta live it out. That's why James, the brother of Jesus, in his first chapter, one of the first things he wrote down was that we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Look, man, I, I feel like I'm a broken record sometimes because I'm about to give myself away. There we go. I only teach on two things, ever. I either teach on how you receive Christ or how you act like Christ. That's the only things I ever teach on because in my opinion, I think that's the entirety of the gospel. Shame on anybody that makes it more complicated than that. But I'm telling you that if you want your life to be firmly attached to the person of Christ, then you can't just read your Bible. You can't just come to church. You gotta live it out. You gotta do what Jesus said. Look, man, you wanna know why I think our country is so fragile right now? Because at some point, Christians started putting more emphasis on leading through their words than leading through their actions. And it doesn't work. It's a weak foundation. It's decaying soil. What I hear all the time is parents and grandparents and families talking about their desire to raise their kids in a home that has Jesus as a foundation, raise their kids in a community, in a country that has Jesus as a foundation. But for you to do that, you can't just teach your kids about Jesus. You gotta show them what it means to love like Jesus. It's the only way. Everything else is a sinking sand. You wanna break some generational curses in your life? some cycles that you have sin that you've experienced of you and your parents and your grandparents, then take your kids out and serve with them one day. Go feed some people who are experiencing homelessness. Go help somebody with your kids in tow. Show them what it means to be doers of the word. That'll break some generational curses in your life. You know, we were, uh, I'm so passionate about this and so passionate about Cross Timbers leading the way in this. And us not being a church that just sits on the sidelines. And uh, we have our Hope Center, you know, and our Hope Center, their whole mission is to meet the practical needs of their community in the name of Jesus. So we do lots of incredible things. 
This is my favorite season of the year with them because we do Gift of Hope where we provide this extraordinary uh, Christmas for, for families in need, families who can't afford a Christmas. And we give their kids just tons of amazing gifts and toys. It's really fun. But we also feed them and we have a weekly feeding that we do a, a couple, couple times a week. And you know, in the past, we've invited them to come to our Denton building where we feed them out of our Denton building. Well, something interesting has happened over the past, I don't know, year or so. People have stopped coming. So over the pandemic, we were feeding like five, 600 people. It was crazy. But then over the past few months and past year, uh, just, a, just maybe 50, 60 families have come. And we talked to the North Texas Food Bank who's responsible for all of the feeding in Denton County. And they partner with all of the different food banks and food lines. And they said, this is not a cross timbers issue. This is actually a county issue, maybe even a state issue where people have stopped coming to where the food was at. So all of the food banks have seen this tremendous drop. People who need food, people who need meals and can't afford it, they're not coming to the buildings. So we decided that if they aren't gonna come to us, then we're gonna go to them. And so we're selling our Denton building. You probably know that. We're selling our Denton building right now. We're gonna buy a bunch of food trucks and we're gonna go into the communities and feed the people that need it. We've been doing it for the past few months. Let me tell you, we fed about 500 more people than we were feeding when they were coming to us. Because it's, and come on. We gotta be doers of the word, man. We ain't, we ain't making a lick of difference if we're just showing up once a week to get our fill of an encouraging word. We ain't doing nothing in this world if that's what we're doing. And I'm calling us to step up and lead in our community in this way. I think it's time, man. Pick up a shovel. There's way too much work to be done to be sitting around on the sidelines. So pick up a shovel, get the sand out of your life, build on the bedrock of Christ and do some good in our community. You with me on that? All right. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you just for your practical words that you give us. They're just so helpful. The word of God is just so helpful for the way that we should live. And so, I just pray that you'd give us the courage and the desire, the strength. God, I pray that you would just give us a new confidence to live this. I just believe there's somebody in this room today who's had their confidence smashed this week. Something happened in your life. You had your confidence crushed, your, your security crushed, and you're just coming into this Sunday feeling less than, and I'm just praying right now in the name of Jesus that he would fill you with the confidence of his spirit, that you would walk out of here feeling renewed and restored and ready to go live out the word of God tomorrow. So God, we thank you so much for what you're doing at Cross Timbers Church. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.